Good morning. Um, I have the announcements today. Um, okay, so October is Pray for Missions Month. Um, we are praying um, to live on mission where we are. Okay, so that means in our community. Um, praying for favor with non-believers. Pray um, for loving our neighbors, missionaries to go to the nations, confidence in God's word, victories in spiritual warfare, joy in the midst of suffering, and patience and perseverance. Pray that God will plant and multiply churches. Um, so that's a lot to pray for. Um, and um, so that's what we're going to do this month. Um, October's almost over, though. Okay, we also have giving link online on our website, on our homepage. Um, welcome this morning to visitors. Um, if you are new here, we're so glad. Please tap the person you're sitting next to and introduce yourself. Um, also, too, um, if you're a visitor online, you can text CONNECT um, to 903-458-9199. Are you going to put that up there? So there's a way, if you're online and you're visiting us online, that you can actually connect with us. Um, Okay, and so um, Wednesday night, we're still having youth. We've been doing it outside. Um, it's been really great. It's beautiful weather. Um, and we do that from 6 to 7. Um, and then we have young adult Bible study in here and on Zoom at 7.15. Okay, this Wednesday night, we're having a costume contest for the youth. Okay, so all of the youth... You need to take this as a big deal, okay, because we're going to have a contest, okay, and we are going to, I'm going to win, so um, you should probably step it up. Okay, um, we're thankful to have our young families in service with us. We know it's not easy. We just want you to know that um, we're glad to have your little ones with us, but we do have a place um, in the other building where they can hang out and play and kind of regulate, and then we have playground outside as well. Okay, um, and then we're having a yam retreat that is not like sweet potatoes. It's young adult uh, ministry and a retreat on the 6th and 7th at Bowles. Um, it's down the street in Quinlan. The cost is $60 and you need to sign up this week. Please, y'all go to that. It's going to be really cool. Um, however, if, if the money is a problem, it's not a problem. Okay, it's not a problem. Talk to Grace or to Tracy or Greg or somebody, and we'll work that out, okay? Um, also, we're already talking about youth camp. Um, remember, we didn't get to go last year, and that was a real bummer, so we're going this year no matter what. I'm just saying. And um, we're... <laughs> Even if we have to go in like bubbles. So um, we're going to, um, the uh, sign up for that is going to start November the 1st. So we need to get that going. So we got lots to do. Um, Authentic Manhood is on Thursdays at 6 a.m. and also 6 p.m. in the worship center. So we are continuing to have that. Um, and so that is going to be 6 a.m. on Thursday and also 6 p.m. So if you're an early bird, you can go to, the, to that one. If you're not and you have to do evening stuff, then you have the evening one. Um, and that's going through um, October the 29th. Um, um, yes. Okay. If you want to talk to someone, talk to Robert Bledsoe or call Grace in the office. Um, all right. So the last thing on here is I've already said this, but if we're a visitor online, you can connect with us. Can you put up the, there it is. And that's how you can connect with us if you're a visitor online. 
Um, okay, so I um, am going to pray for missions, okay? Heavenly Father, um, thank you so much um, for us being able to gather today. Lord, um, I just pray for um, missions in our home where we are in our communities and our small um, spheres of influence that we have, each of us, our kids in school, um, our workplaces, um, where we go and do business, um, all of those kinds of things. Lord, I just pray that um, COVID doesn't stand in our way of getting to know others and um, demonstrating and showing them and telling them about your love. Um, Lord, I also pray for missions um, overseas and in places far away, um, that you would send people, that you would um, talk to their hearts, and that they would know without a doubt that that is where they're supposed to be, and then that you would work that out for them and, and get them settled in places far away where they can share about you. Um, Lord, we just pray that you would give us patience and perseverance when we are um, on mission, um, which should be every day. Lord, I pray that when we wake up in the morning, you would remind us that we're on mission and that you would make the opportunities that we have very clear to us and that, Lord, we would have the courage not to let them pass. Um, please be with Ben this morning as he brings us a message and... Um, Allow us to listen and open our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Ginevra. Man, I'm glad y'all are here. Thank y'all for being here. We're uh, glad if you're visiting with us to have you this morning. Uh, it's a strange time to look for a church. And looking for a church is hard anyway. So, you know, compound that with the unusual season and circumstances. Uh, just know that we are praying for you and cheering for you to find a church home where you can connect. And we also recognize that may not be here. And uh, this may be your only deposit with us this one visit this morning or this one visit online and just hear it i mean clarion message that we are cheering for you to find a church home and uh we um there's some wonderful churches in our community so if your uh, visit with us this morning is like i'm not this, this isn't quite it then um uh, maybe uh, i would i'd love to to you know talk with you and maybe help you point you in the right direction of what you might be looking for so uh, I think the churches in our community are different. They kind of take on the, uh, a unique personality and unique character, uh, but ho hopefully all centering around a central message of a triune God, a risen Lord, the things that we share that make us Christian. So we can celebrate the variety of churches in our community and cheer for one another. So we pray for another church every Sunday morning. We're doing that this morning, and uh, we're praying for uh, Paul Blue and his family. Uh, he's a pastor at, at uh, Family Fellowship. And uh, we're all gonna pr also going to pray for a people group, the Lohan people of India, 9.4 million strong, 0.01% of which are Christian. Uh, we pray for a, an unreached, or largely unreached people group every Sunday. So we're going to um, continue our morning in prayer. So join me in prayer if you would. 
Lord, we are thankful for the opportunity to lift up another church this morning. Lord, we are cheering for the local church. We are cheering for the people of God in Greenville, uh, that we can truly be uh, a community that is enjoying you collectively, even in different buildings maybe this morning. That we are enjoying a shared Lord, a shared uh, good news, a shared gospel, um, a Holy Spirit that is, in, that is dwelling in these moments in this space and also dwelling in uh, those moments in other spaces. Lord, we uh, just pray that uh, you would be great among local churches. We want to pray for specifically for Family Fellowship this morning. Uh, we are thankful for the chance to uh, lift up a church that's had a long-time presence in our community. Uh, pray for Paul Blue and his family. Lord, pray that he's blessed this morning as he has the opportunity to preach and to shepherd God's people. Lord, that he is, first of all, uh, a man that is uh, governed by and uh, fueled by and directed by uh, the, the work of worship in seeking you and seeking your face. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you would bless the ministry, their family fellowship, and we are thankful for the chance to lift them up this morning. Uh, Lord, this, uh, uh, these few minutes that we spend together, too, we want to lift up a people group um, so burdened with the, even the notion of a group of people that large uh, with the Christian voice and Christian message and the hope that we share uh, being completely or largely uh, absent. Lord, we ask you to work out, the sal work out salvation and gospel presence in a church, a uh, disciple-making church, in and among this people group in India. Lord, we, uh, we know that you know this people group. We know that you know people within this group, the number of hairs on their heads. You know every detail about their worries and their fears and their concerns. You know where they're looking for hope and meaning and identity and purpose and answers. And Lord, we ask you to, to give them dreams and visions and an ache to know and truly know their creator and that you'll couple that with people that can't stay here people that are burdened to go to far corners with good news. Lord, we are entrusting this big ask to you. Lord, lastly this morning, I want to pray for the anxious. Probably a room full of anxious in various ways. Lord, I pray that you will use this message to encourage the saints and to point them in the direction of our Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So one guy trying to deal with anxiety came up with the idea to hire somebody to be anxious for him. Uh, he actually, I mean, put, put together a great little job description, job package. Uh, $300,000 is what he's going to pay this guy. He interviewed for various, various people and, and landed on someone to hire. And uh, one of the first conversations that they had after the official start date is this newly hired person turned to the boss and said, now, where are you going to come up with the $300,000? And the boss responded, well, that's for you to worry about now, isn't it? That's officially the second joke I think I've told in 17 years. So I know it's not a, you know, a, a winner, but it, it, it at least kind of lightens the mood on what is really a difficult topic. I think every single person in this room can relate to the problem in some way, in some version, some measure, the issue of anxiety. We all deal with it in varying degrees. There's some that are so extreme that they can actually be called a disorder. And then on the other end, maybe just from time to time, just what we might call worry and anxiety just from day to day issues. Wherever you find yourself today, I hope and pray that this time will bless you and minister to you 
and equip you to worship in the coming weeks. Stand, if you would, for the reading of God's word from Matthew chapter 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Seek first his kingdom, or seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Lord, speak to us from these wonderful words from the Mount 2,000 years ago. Giving this time to you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a seat. I want to take a few minutes at the beginning of the sermon to acquaint you with the structure of this passage and a little bit of Greek mood. It might feel a little bit uh, academic just for a minute, but I think it's going to help you appreciate how things stand out in a passage and might even help you uh, learn how to read your own Bible as you're just reading from day to day in a devotional sense. Okay, so uh, I, I want to just kind of first of all deal with this word, therefore. Anytime you see the word, therefore, you know, typically what you want to do is look backwards. You want to try and get a sense of what's in front of that passage that's weighing into the passage that you're looking at. So the word, therefore, points us back to where we've been in the last few weeks. We've considered in many ways two ways of being in the world, okay, with two types of treasure, one heavenly, one earthly, two types of eyes, you remember the eye that's singular and generous or the eye that's evil? Okay, those little contrasts there, two ways of, of being in the world, one with, uh, or the two types of treasure, two types of eyes and the two types of masters. You remember we talked about last week, God and money. You can't have both and serve them both well. Followers of Christ, we've considered in these last few weeks, are to be singular. We're to be a singular and whole people seeking heavenly treasure with a generous singular eye with only one master the proper master capital m our god and father in light of these things that we looked backwards to this wonderful teaching we have a paragraph here on anxiety that's full of treasure but it also introduces two ways of being in the world the way of the gentiles that are governed by and fueled by anxiety are the way of those who are following Christ that are not living by and governed by and fueled by anxiety. Let me acquaint you with some of these Greek moods. Go ahead and put that first slide up that says Greek moods. Noah, good work. Okay, 
There's three different moods I'm going to introduce you to. The first is the imperative mood. You go ahead and put that first one up. The imperative mood is probably what you would think it would be. Somebody says to you, hey, I need you to accomplish this task, and it's imperative that you do this as soon as possible. You get the sense in that moment that there's a gravity to it. Okay, it's urgent. And you could, if you want to assign a word to it, you could assign the word must and put a little exclamation point after that. Good. Okay, it just kind of helps you visualize the imperative mood in Greek, and other languages have that as well. Okay, go ahead and hit me with the second one there. The second one there is a subjunctive mood. The su- subjunctive mood is less must and more should. Okay, you should do something. It has a softer tone to it in some ways, but it's still something that is sort of directive. Okay, the first thing, the imperative is especially so. The second, the subjunctive, is a little softer. Okay, the third mood is the indicative mood. The indicative mood, if you want to assign a word to that, it would be the word is. Okay, it's just dealing with facts. Okay, somebody's... Uh, Uh, Just presenting a bunch of facts, that's sort of probably an indicative sense. They're not directing you to do anything. They're just giving you some information. Okay, so I want to just give you a little visual of what this might look like. Some of you uh, have kids that are learning to drive. I have one that's that's just gone through that process in previous uh, year or so, a couple of years now. I don't want to undercut your your vast experience in driving. Okay. (laughs) But working through the, the sort of this driver training, and that's ongoing. Anytime you drive with a kid, even if he's 17 years old, this training continues, right? You know what that feels like, having probably been 17 or, or uh, having a kid that age. So um, just imagine this little, little um, uh, conversation going on in a car. The, the imperative sense would be, stop riding people's brakes, Daniel McGraw. Or, stop riding people's bumpers. Stop late breaking. Okay, you know those conversations. Stop late breaking or stop riding people's bumper. Okay, that's an imperative sense. Okay, now where the indicatives would fit in are brakes are really expensive, son. Okay, brakes are expensive. Car repairs after a collision are very expensive. And someone might brake faster than you can brake and you could end up rear-ending them. Okay, another little factoid there, an indicative sense is uh, you're not going to get there any sooner than if you backed off just about 10 feet. Okay, you're basically going to r- arrive at the same time. Okay, so the, indic- or the indicatives are the facts that are supporting this command. Okay, just imagine having the conversation. Some of us have the conversation, or I've heard it from our parents. This is just a command without any supporting indicatives. Okay, you have this feeling, well, Why? Why shouldn't I ride their, their bumper? Why should I wait? Or why shouldn't I wait till the last second to break? Okay, your parents or somebody or a boss has told you something to do and you kind of have this sense of why. Well, the why are the indicatives. They help you understand why the imperative is important and should be followed. Okay? So I wanted you to kind of have the sense of the, those and I want to take about three minutes and sort of draw out. It might take more than three minutes. Draw out the indicatives and the imperatives and the subjunctives, there's a couple of subjunctives also in this passage, and it's going to sort of make these sort of points materialize for you before we even get into them. Okay, so let me show you the imperatives of the passage. Here's the first one. Do not be anxious about your life. You could also consider an imperative like a command. Okay, Jesus talks about commands even in the Sermon on the Mount and says don't soften the commands 
as you teach these things. So this is a command. Do not be anxious about your life. That's the first imperative. And Noah, I asked you if you could bold those. Go ahead and go to the passage. Go back to the passage so you can visualize this. Do you have the ability to bold them or underline them? Okay. Or y'all can imagine this. And you can, might even do it in your own Bible. If you're one of those that writes in your Bible, maybe you could put a little thin underline under the imperatives. Okay, or the commands. There are four of them in this passage. Here's the first one. Do not be anxious about your life. Here's the second imperative. Look at the birds. It's a command. See, if you wouldn't know that just by reading it, right? Look at the birds. It's a command. Here's the next one. Consider the lilies. That's the third command. And here's the fourth command slash imperative. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Okay, if you have the ability to write in your Bible or make a little note there, those are the commands or the imperatives of the passage. Those are the musts. You could even change the tone of, you must not be anxious about your life. You must look at the birds. You must consider the lilies. You must seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Okay, you get the sense and the mood there? Okay, there's two subjunctives in here. The subjunctives, remember, are a little softer than the must, and they're more like the shoulds. Here are the subjunctives. The first one in verse 31. Do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or, dr- or what you'll drink or what you'll wear. It's a restatement of the commandment or the imperative in the first verse. But it's softer, isn't it? It says you should. You should not be anxious about what you'll eat, drink, or wear. And here's the last subjunctive in verse 34. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. A restatement of the command from the very beginning. So you've got four imperatives two subjunctives, and each of them are supported by indicatives. Each of them are supported by really good reasons. The Lord gives us commands, but he gives us good reasons of why they make sense and why you should follow them. So here's some of those indicatives, starting with the first imperative. Do not be anxious about your life, and the indicatives take on sort of a sense of appeal. Here's the first one. Do not be anxious about your life. There's the imperative. Isn't life more than food? And the body more than clothing? Isn't a car about more than gasoline, if you want to kind of personalize this? And a house about more than paint? Doesn't it just make sense to not be anxious? Here's the second imperative. Look at the birds, and here's the indicative underneath it. They neither sow nor reap nor gather, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Doesn't he? It's an appeal, and it's really beautiful. Here's the appeal. Are you not of more value than they, and which of you have added a single hour to your lifespan by being anxious? Breaks are expensive, son. You see the explanation there? It's beautiful. Our Lord gives commands, but he explains why they make sense. There's the third uh, imperative there. Consider the lilies, how they grow. And here's the indicative. They neither toil nor spin, yet even Solomon was, was not arrayed like one of these. God clothes the grass of the field and it's dispensable and consumable, isn't it? And here's the appeal. Won't he much more clothe you, O you of little faith? What a beautiful and gentle explanation. It's a beautiful model for parenting, parents. Just to take a little second here. Or for those who are in some sort of leadership role, to give some explanations of why you ask things of people. It helps to kind of, it helps for follow through. 
Okay, here's the subjunctive, that first subjunctive. Do not be anxious about what you'll wear or what, or, or what you'll drink or what you'll wear in verse 31. And here's the indicative right after it. Gentiles or unbelievers are anxious about food, drink, or clothing. Your father knows that you need them all. See, the explanation is just tender and gentle and beautiful. And here's the last, or here's the, the last imperative. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and here's the indicative underneath it. All these things will be added to you. There's the explanation. Here's the last subjunctive in verse 34. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. And here's the indicative and the appeal. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Okay, I spent some currency there this morning. And I only spent the currency so it'll sort of bring out the points here. So you know that I'm just not kind of conjuring, cobbling together some points for you to walk away with. These are the points that the Lord has made already. And sort of bringing out the mood helps you appreciate how his tone might have been even as he spoke those words on the mount 2,000 years ago. So we're going to follow his lead and basically have three points that are going to follow along his imperatives. He's got four imperatives, and the first one is do not be anxious. And it's reiterated at the end, remember? Do not be anxious about what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you'll wear, and do not be anxious about tomorrow. Those are bookends. So we're going to spend our time on those three imperatives that are in between the two of those. But first, let's talk about this issue of anxiety. It's a theme commandment in this passage, obviously. Do not be anxious. And it's reiterated in verses 25, or it's reiterated in verse 34, restated from what's stated in verse 25. It's a theme commandment. Do not be anxious about your life, imperative. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, subjunctive. What are we talking about here? Man, we've already kind of acquainted ourselves with the idea, but the word here is sort of synonymous with apprehensive, uh, being unduly concerned. Some words that we might associate with anxiety might be worry and fear. We're all experiencing some version of these things right now. Anxiety over money, over relationships, over health over job, over house, foundations, paint, cracking ceilings, cracking walls, plumbing issues, car, your car can cause you some anxiety, your church can cause you anxiety, right? Everybody ever been in a church for any period of time? Even church can cause anxiety. Marriage can cause anxiety. Parenting, amen? Right, parents? Parenting can cause anxiety. Is anybody else anxious, ever anxious as a parent? Uh, hopefully I'm connecting to some version of anxiety here. Being parented, right? Kids, can that cause some anxiety of being parented? Does school cause anxiety? Classes, teachers, assignments? I'm remembering what some of my most anxious days came after, or the day that the syllabus was distributed, the syllabi over various classes, and you walk home with this backpack full of new books and full of tons of assignments. There's a tremendous amount of anxiety that goes along with that. There's some new anxieties that I've actually read in the news this week. There's something called election anxiety. For, I mean, really, for real, election anxiety. There's probably something that just hadn't been named yet, mask anxiety. Whether to wear it, when to wear it, why to wear it, why not to wear it. Who's wearing it? Who's not? Who's supposed to be wearing it? it? I get anxious about it. Man, those are real anxieties. 
COVID anxiety? Am I going to get sick? Is it going to kill me? I mean, those are real anxieties that all of us can relate to. There are anxieties in the Bible. Some of them you might think about these occasions where someone or a whole people group was anxious about something. The nation of Israel was anxious about food. They'd apparently been fed really well in Egypt with the leeks and the melons. And then when they're delivered, delivered from slavery to freedom, they're grumbling and complaining about not having any food. And they're pining for the leeks and the melons of Egypt. It sounds a lot like anxiety, a lot like worry. King Saul, I think, was a great example of a guy that was impatient and sought out a necromancer. Apparently, he was pretty anxious and unwilling to wait on the Lord. Some newer versions, some fresher versions in the New Testament might be Mary and Joseph when they lost their 12-year-old son and made a day's journey home and realized, oh my goodness, where's Jesus? And went back to the temple and found out, oh, he's just sitting in there chilling out with the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, just teaching them. And they were, it says they were anxious, searching. They said to him, we've been searching for you in great distress. Can you imagine having lost your 12-year-old for a day? Mary and Martha, the story of Mary and Martha should be something that might, or might be something that comes to mind, where Mary said, um, um, uh, uh, com complained to Jesus about, uh, or Martha complained to Jesus about Mary, saying, she's not serving me, she's not, help she's not serving with me and helping me serve everyone. And Jesus said to her, uh, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Mary has chosen the good portion. We've got examples in our Bibles of people being anxious. We've got examples in this room of people being anxious. We know this thing called anxiety. And Jesus seems to be especially speaking to anxiety about stuff in this passage. The examples deal largely with stuff, food, drink, and clothing. But the reminder in verse 35 is nice because it brings it back full circle and sort of opens it up to tomorrow's troubles anxiety excuse me verse 34 anxiety over tomorrow's troubles that opens the space doesn't it doesn't have to be just about food or drink or clothing which we don't have to worry about like they did 2,000 years ago but it opens that space to worrying about anything that you might be concerned about tomorrow seems like we could really consider all kinds of reasons for anxiety here and that maybe the medicine he offers could help with them all. Man, that's really cool. So let's climb in and consider the medicine that he offers, but first let's consider and enjoy that he just doesn't leave us with that first commandment by itself. If he did, do not be anxious. Okay, if that's all you had, do not be anxious. Is there anybody in this room that wouldn't be anxious at just having that? Okay, it's not like a, a switch that you can flip. If you read the little thing that I sent out, to, the little prep for Sunday email that I send out on Thursdays, the one I sent out this week sent out an occasion, or I, I told the story of an occasion where I was so anxious and had no explanation on an airplane. It's not a switch that you can just flip on and, oh, okay, don't be anxious, all right, thank you, Jesus, thanks for your help in that. I'll just turn it off. If that's all we had, man, we would be left in a lurch. He doesn't leave us alone with this one command, and he doesn't leave us with this command alone. He gives us some supporting commands that give us some really, really good medicine. So we're going to look at three of them in the next few minutes. The first one, to look at the birds. 
in verse 26. I'm going to read this passage again just so it's fresh. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Uh, Noah, go ahead and put up that first picture of a turtle dove. I have a few pictures to share with you over the course of this message that hopefully will be some nice visuals, but this is a turtle dove. It's familiar. Uh, it's very familiar to folks that live in, in Texas, I think, around uh, Labor Day. Dove are very uh, beautiful and tasty. <laughs> right? But I'm trying to, I want to just take a moment and sort of climb into his context. And maybe consider the birds that he's talking about. And turtle doves are a good, strong possibility. It was a very common bird in ancient Israel. There were two of them likely sacrificed at Jesus' dedication as a baby. Okay, you know, the, the poor you were, that, that was often, a, a, you know, a couple turtle doves was, or a couple pigeons was the offering that you gave. Um, whenever um, he sent his uh, disciples out, in chapter 10, he told them, he said, I want you to go out like sheep among wolves, be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Okay, so it's probably a common reference. Matthew, when he's describing where the Holy Spirit descended on Christ in his um, baptism, said he descended like a dove. So it's probably a very familiar uh, bird that is a very strong possibility of what he's talking about. Possibly he's speaking about this next bird. Noah, go ahead and put this up. This is a sparrow. Okay, it's just the ancient, uh, I mean, they had these birds 2,000 years ago in Israel, uh, and they probably have some now. It's just a little common sparrow. Uh, they're referenced in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Just listen to this passage. You may jot this down. It's not really essential that you look at it. Just listen. Do not fear those who will kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. This is possibly the bird that he's probably likely the bird he's talking about. These birds are described, first of all, as having no commercial value. Okay, two for a penny is a pretty good deal, right? I mean, you've, if you've ever you know, held a bird this small, you realize for a nutritional sense, there's probably not a whole lot to it. Maybe for a pet or something, that might be kind of cool, but I don't even know how that would work. Two for a penny. No commercial value, no sentimental value. Okay, the sparrow is not like something that we're going to put on a banner. Uh, it's not something you're going to put on a billboard. It's, man, come, come hang out with the sparrows. It's not something that's a real draw. There's not a lot of sentimental connection to sparrows. I found that they were described as colorless. Isn't that a bummer? I mean, he's beige. Like, he's got the little yellow dot. I mean, if he knew he was called colorless, I have a color. It's like when somebody says, I need to get in shape. And I, I'm, well, round is a shape. Right? I mean, that, that's a color. It's kind of a bummer that he's described as colorless. He has no sentimental value. He has no commercial value. And he's apparently colorless. He's unimportant to all but our Father. Man, let that hit you for a moment, however much you deal with anxiety. He's unimportant to all but our Father. And there's this theme over here in Matthew chapter 10, the same theme in Matthew chapter 6. Are you not of more value than 
these. Man, that's rich. The bird references over there, whether he's talking turtle doves or whether he's talking sparrows, we know here specifically he's talking sparrows. The bird references have to do with care and provision and value. Care and provision and value. Notice they have no barns. They have no bins. They have no stockpiles. I was thinking about how funny that would be if birds had little bins in the trees, you know, little Rubbermaid containers. It'd be ugly, first of all, you know, unless they were camouflage, leaf-colored. But if they had like a little bin and they'd gather and they'd drop their worm in there or their seeds, they don't have any of that stuff. We know that's ridiculous. No barns, no bins, no stockpiles. They truly live hand-to-mouth. If a bird could pray, their prayer would sound something like this. Give us this day our daily seed. Give us this day our daily worm. Man, isn't that cool? Look at the birds. God the Son is pointing his followers to what he created to see and learn and be encouraged by the regular, seasonal, and daily provision for something as simple and as easily forgotten as a bird. We could all do with some bird watching. Go ahead and put that next slide up, Noah. We have a, um, a bird in our um, neighborhood, our, a bird that's visited us from time to time in our backyard. Uh, we call it Scarface, the cardinal. Do we have a, actually, go back. Go back to the cardinal. Yes, right there. There's a couple cardinals. That's the male and female. Uh, we had a male cardinal, cardinal visiting in our yard. I, we thought they were migratory. You know, cardinals are not migratory. We thought they were migratory because we only saw them certain times a year. But since, since then, we've gotten cats, so we don't see them anymore. I don't know what could have possibly happened to them. You know, there's a pile of red leaves in the back, I mean, red feathers in the backyard. But, um, man, our cats have destroyed our cardinal population. But man, cardinals are cool. It's a great place to start with some bird watching. Here's some factoids about cardinals. Males get their color from food that they eat. And the males eat that particular food that the females don't eat. Isn't that interesting? There's some places in the country where the cardinals are yellow because the food's a little different. That's crazy to think about. They mate for life. Isn't that sweet? Just look at these two. What a pair. Oh, for life. And they can live like 15 years. Did you? I mean, a bird, like a little bird, can, unless they're in our backyard. They're not going to live for long in our backyard. Uh, the females have a particular song notifying the males to bring them some food. I know some couples like this. Right? Yeah, it might be a text message. It might actually be a song. Some suffer from baldness. That's why we call this guy Scarface, because half of his head was covered, or he didn't have feathers on half of his head, but that's, that's common, apparently, in cardinals. Uh, they're non-migratory. They live within a mile of their birth. It's kind of cool. Uh, cardinals were named after Catholic bishops. I thought it would have been the other way around. It's the, but, but they're actually named. I don't know why that's interesting, just to maybe just to me. Uh, they cover themselves with ants. It's called anting. This is a crazy factoid. This is something that, I mean, if you really considered a bird long enough to just consider how complex their little lives are, man, God's fingerprints are all over it. Anting is when a bird either specifically, there's, um, 
there, there are two types of anting. There's active anting where they take an ant and they hold it in their beak and they wipe their wings with that ant. Okay, that's kind of weird. They also do passive anting where they let the ants crawl all over them and it cleans them. It puts some sort of oil into their feathers. How would they know to do that unless there's a good father that's caring for them and taking care of them and providing for them? He cares for cardinals. The second picture that we had up there, go ahead and put that next one up, is a painted bunting. Is anybody ever, I'm curious, has anybody ever seen a painted bunting in Greenville? Uh, yes, there's anybody else? Painted bunting, couple? Listen, we were driving by um, the golf course, over by all three end of the golf course. The, you know, the little cutover, so you don't have to go through that light. The little cutover there that brings you from 1570 over to 20, 2101. Yeah. And um, we're driving along going, you know, whatever it is, 15, 16, 20, I don't know what, I don't know what the miles per hour, I didn't pay attention. But we're going the speed limit, mind you. And we're driving along, and Christy goes, a painted bunting. And we're like, stop the car, and we back up. And I don't know how she saw this thing, but there's a painted bunting in there, a tree. It looked like it's built by a committee. Like, it just, okay, I want to put this color here. Okay, I want to put this color here. And they're really beautiful, and they're right here indigenous to our area. The painted buntings, you'll see them on the ground. If you see one feeding on the ground, that's where they find their, fur, their food. That's where God provides food for them. Man, we have bird-watching opportunities right here in our community. Uh, red-winged blackbird, that is a migratory bird. You've probably seen red-winged blackbirds moving in through our community from time to time. Um, the males, this is a male. The female is actually brown. It's not black at all. The, black, the, the, the male here gets in the top of a tree or gets on a telephone pole or gets on the top of a bush and does this amazing call and, and song. And the female, meanwhile, is scurrying on the ground finding food for them. Okay, God provides for them in their own unique little design, whether they migrate or whether they scurry around or whether, they, uh, whether mama calls daddy to bring home some food. Man, it's really, really cool. We could do with some bird watching. One of my favorites is the osprey. Hit that next one with the osprey. Anybody ever seen an osprey fishing? A couple months ago, Christy and I were in uh, South Carolina. Most of the osprey we've seen have been in Yellowstone. You can watch Yellowstone River. Osprey are flying over, and they're fishing for trout right there, right in front of you. Uh, but the, just a couple months ago, we were in South Carolina on a lake, just an unimpressive lake in Lake Watery in South Carolina. And we're sitting there on a dock, and an osprey comes flying up in front of us like he's just going to put on a show, declaring the glory of God. Day-to-day, pour forth speech as an osprey just comes right above us and hovers and then just screams from the troposphere and comes up with this fish. And, man, how could you not see something like that and turn to one another and say, hey, babe, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. If God's going to teach the osprey to fish and prepare the cardinal for whatever it's after, and the bunting and the red-winged blackbird, we're going to be all right. Here's a quote from an article in Psychology Today of a study that was done um, of the University of Exeter in England. It just says this, Watch birds, any kind, from a window, in a garden, or around your neighborhood. Doing so is associated with lower levels of depression Anxiety and stress, according to a study from University of Exeter in England. 
just being outside, you're going to have hormonal changes. Serotonin, uh, endorphin levels increase. Serotonin regulates mood and sleep and appetite and memory. I need help with all of the above. Okay, anybody else? Endorphins is actually the pain reliever hormone. Just being outside alone when you haven't even seen any birds yet. God's going to use being outside to bless you. And Jesus is giving some really good, practical help for the anxious right here and say, go look at some birds. I found a book that's titled Bird Therapy. It's written by a guy named Joe Harkness. This guy was a, a teacher, ninth grade special ed teacher. He got to the point of despairing in life. Uh, the first chapter uh, uh, describes uh, him taking a, a sheet and, and making a noose out of it and tying it to a rail in the stairs in his home and looking down into the darkness of what was below that. And someone walked in on him and talked him down. Not long after that, he had a nervous breakdown. And not long after that, he discovered birding. Birding. Bird watching. It's unbelievable. Here's just a few little excerpts of what this is. One, one guy describing this book says, I can't remember the last book I read that I could say with absolute assurance would save lives, but this one will. On birding, people. And this one leaves out the best part. Jesus. And a heavenly father is providing for those birds. Man, do y'all realize what we have in this simple command for our Lord to turn to his followers and say, look at some birds. Look at some birds. Look at how our Father provides for them, knowing that you're going to be all right. Aren't you of much more value than they? Man, followers of Christ have the chance to go beyond the bird to the Father that cares for and provides for colorless birds. Are you not of much more value than they? The song song that was playing in my head this weekend is his eye is on the sparrow I'd sing it if I could sing worth anything and I know he watches me amen man he doesn't leave us with just that command either he gives us the next one consider the lilies I'll read those verses again just so they're fresh in verses 28 through 30 Starting in verse, verse 38, so you can kind of get some context. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. Man, what a sweet Lord to give us something so practical, something so simple. The word consider in the original language means ogle. I like that word better. Ogle. Ogle the lilies. He may have been speaking of the, um, there's a particular lily that's called the Madonna lily. The Madonna lily was common to that area 2,000 years ago. It was a wildflower that's even still found today in the high valleys of the upper, upper western Galilee and Mount Hermon. It blooms in the month of May. Uh, it forms three to ten large snow white blossoms. 
that are grouped along the top of the stem, two to four feet tall. They remain open all day, and, and then at night, their heavy, sweet scent increases in the darkness. Man, it's even better than ogling. It might even be smelling. The present-day Easter lily originated from this wild species. He may have been referring to the Madonna lily. He may have been referring to this next one as the windflower. Go ahead, Noah. There's the windflower. Possibly the next one, the mountain tulip. Or the next one, the turban buttercup. Or the next one, the corn poppy. Or the next one, the sword lily. Or possibly the dog chamomile. All so beautifully clothed. Man, what might this do to us if we just stopped to consider and ogle the lilies? He referenced how Solomon was clothed in splendor and glory. The queen of Sheba visited Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 10 is the account. She was so shocked at his glory and his splendor that she couldn't help but worship The passage, it says that she said, Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you. How happy must your people be, is what she said. Man, we could do with some lily ogling. If not the lilies, if we don't have access to the Madonna lily, then maybe we could go with Lantana. Go ahead, Noah, with that next one. These are common to our area. Lantana, possibly the next one, the Indian blanket. Or the Indian, that's the paintbrush. We skipped the blanket, that's okay. There's blue bonnets. Man, sheets. Blankets. Blankets of the glory of God right in front of day-to-day pouring forth speech. How much more value are you than these? He's going to provide for you and what you need. We could ogle maybe the marigolds. What's next? Yeah, the beautiful marigolds or coneflowers. Yeah, Pink ladies or the primrose? Man, these are good, good medicine. As you ogle, consider what or won't he much more clothe you? Take your eyes, people of God, off the worries of tomorrow and what tomorrow might hold for long enough to step into the woods or up to the window or on the porch to watch and listen. He feeds colorless birds and he clothes flowers in forgotten meadows. Of how much more value are you than these? Ah, man, that's good medicine for hurting hearts. Here's the third thing. You know, that third imperative, you knew it was coming, and it's a sweet one. Seek the kingdom and his righteousness. I'll read it just for the sake of context, beginning in verse 31 is where we pick up sort of the context of this last imperative. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, uh, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. This is the climax of the passage. The Sermon on the Mount talks about, um, talks about the kingdom all over the place. It talks about righteousness all over the place. If this were a heat map over the, the Sermon on the Mount, this place would be white hot because both those things intersect right here. Kingdom and righteousness right here in this 
one command. He says, seek first his kingdom. That first is not chronological. It means foremost. It means above all things. Seek above all things his kingdom and his righteousness. And I think it's important and helpful for us to realize it didn't say seek only. Otherwise, followers then wouldn't have had anything to eat or anything to wear. There's nothing wrong with planning for tomorrow. There's nothing wrong with having some food in your cupboard. But the thought here is to seek foremost above all things his kingdom and his righteousness. And here's what's so awesome about this command. This command is what differentiated him from all the other philosophers. This is what showed that he's not a philosopher. This is a martial call to a people to pursue something. See, all the philosophers standing on their own little mounts, they're giving you a presentation of the good life. Here's how you find the good life. And Jesus has done that so far. Blessed be, blessed be, blessed be. Here's the good life, here's the good life. But here he points his followers to a specific person and being and kingdom. Seek first God's kingdom. It is a martial call to the people of God. It's here, it's a rally cry for the people of God. It's here that we find like a garden full of trees that he's commanding us to pursue. It's here where he's taking us to real blessedness and wholeness as we pursue the kingdom of God above all else. We seek to live out his righteousness here in this space, in this time, in 2020, in Hunt County. Man, we need a remedy for anxiety? Seek first his kingdom above all things, right here, right now, in this anxious soup called 2020, right? Man, you might be saying, well, that sounds great. How do I go about doing that? Let me just offer this to you, first of all. You're doing it right now. You're doing it right now, right here, being here, or being online and taking and eating. Standing with him through this frail, feeble preaching moment. Or I should say, frail preacher in this profound moment. God is taking all of us to a mount where Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago to give us living help, living word. You're seeking his kingdom right now, foremost above all things, in this moment. When we sing here in a moment, you're seeking first his kingdom above all things. Man, you're doing it. Let me help you with some other ways to go about it. You can look across the page there in Matthew chapter 6, earlier in chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, which is about how to be the people of God in this context, how to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Here's a great place to start, you know, apart from in addition to being here. If your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go and be reconciled to your brother. How can we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? Well, we can do actually what he says in the Sermon on the Mount. If your brother has something against you, you actively seek him or her out and you reconcile. That's seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. Here's another one. If you look on another woman with lust, you take whatever measure necessary to stop. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Let's go right there. It's right there in the Sermon on the Mount. One way after another. 
Seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness may mean for you sticking it out in sticking it out in an excruciating marriage. Sticking it out with an excruciating person because of what he counts marriage to mean. Okay? It's just coming right from the Sermon on the Mount. You can resist the one, or you can not resist. You can cease to resist the one who is evil. That's another way. You can let someone have your tunic along with your cloak. You can walk an extra mile for one who's conscripted, conscripted you to walk one. You want some real practical ways that we can walk this out? You can love your enemies. I mean, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, I'm going to decide to love my enemies. Whatever I feel like, I'm going to decide to love my enemies because my Lord has commanded me to. And that's what he's done for me in Christ. He's loved his enemies and he's made them friends and family. Seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, you can pray for those who persecute you. You can give to the needy. You can pray in your closet and not make a big deal out of it. You can fast with your eyes bright and your faces washed. You can lay up treasures in heaven. You can serve God, not money. Folks, we have a garden full of trees to enjoy here. And that's seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. This is the good life. And it's good medicine for anxious hearts. Look at the birds, ogle the lilies, and seek foremost his kingdom and his righteousness. Let me pray. Lord, we are thankful for good practical help. Lord, in these commands of seeking the kingdom and and righteousness, Lord, and these commands to ogle the lilies and to look at the birds, Lord, please keep us from doing any of these things apart from you, apart from, first and foremost, the pursuit of Christ. Teach us to pursue Christ in our bird watching, to be satisfied in your provision for us in our lily ogling. Lord, calm anxious hearts with this good good medicine I'm praying these things in Christ's precious name Amen you can go ahead and uh, grab your supper elements there I think Greg had I saw Greg Fields with a tray he's yes he's passing out if you haven't gotten that yet if you missed that on the way in Let me encourage you with this thought as we're distributing those that Christ was the ancient preacher of this sermon 2,000 years ago. He's not just conveying some information. He is himself the goal of these things. He is himself the aim. He's both preacher and pursuit. He is our hope in anxious days. He is our hope in anxious days. He is where we'll land as we consider God's provision for birds. (laughs) Man, because hasn't he provided food for us? Man, good food. Eternal food. The righteous food he's given us to enjoy in the supper week by week. Man, hopefully today we can incorporate too the enjoyment of some birds and provision there.
the enjoyment of some clothing with lilies and all manner of flowers, enjoying how he, how he has provided food for us, like he provided for the people of God in the Exodus, like he provided food for freshly restored Peter on the seashore, like he provided for his followers on the night of his arrest. He is about providing for his people. So let's go ahead and take and eat in faith, enjoying his provision. Open up that little juice guy. Let's take and drink, enjoying his provision in faith. Let me pray. Lord, we are thankful for your ample provision in the person and work of Christ. You are such a good father. We enjoy you. We worship you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Y'all stand and let's continue in song. And the heading alone is kind of stirring and really relevant to what we just heard exposed in the word. And it says, how long, O Lord? It's by David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But, don't you love a good, a good but or a therefore or something that turns our eyes away from the previous verses? But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he's dealt bountifully with me. Let's sing together. Our God, a firm foundation, a rock, the only solid ground, the nations rise and fall. Kingdoms once strong, now shaken, we trust forever in your name, the name of Jesus. We trust the name of Jesus. You are the only king forever almighty god we lift you higher you are the only king forever forevermore you are victorious unmatched unmatched in all your wisdom in love and justice you will reign in every knee will bow we bring our expectations, our hope is anchored in your name, the name of Jesus. We trust the name of Jesus. You are the only King forever, 
Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only King forever, forevermore. You are victorious. You are the only King forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only King forever, forevermore. You are victorious. We lift our banner high. We lift our banner high. We lift the name of Jesus. From age to age you reign. Your kingdom has no end. We lift our banner high. We lift the name of Jesus. From age to age you reign. Your kingdom has no end. We lift our banner high. We lift the name of Jesus. From age to age you reign. Your kingdom has no end. We lift our banner high. We lift the name of Jesus. From age to age you reign. Your kingdom has no end. You are the only king forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only king forever, forevermore. You are victorious. You are the only king forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only king forever, forevermore. You are victorious. We're going to sing that bridge again. In scripture, when they talk about banners, that's like a refuge. It's something that we hold up to protect us. And so this bridge is talking about us lifting Jesus as our protection and our provision. So let's sing that together again. We lift our banner high. We lift our banner high. We lift the name of Jesus. From age to age you reign. Your kingdom has no end. We lift our banner high. We lift the name of Jesus. From age to age you reign. Your kingdom has no end. We lift our banner high. We lift the name of Jesus. From age to age you reign. Your kingdom has no end. You are the only we lift the name of Jesus from age to age you reign your kingdom has no end you are the only king forever almighty God we lift you higher you are the only king forever forevermore you are victorious you are the only king forever Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only King forever, forevermore. You are victorious. There's a reason why the
the curse of sin is broken there's a reason why the darkness runs from light there's a reason why we stand here now forgiven jesus is alive there's a reason why There's a reason why we sing all through the night. There's a reason why our hope remains eternal. Jesus is alive. Praise the King. He is Praise the King, Death's defeat. 
so thankful um lord that you're better god that you give us things to just draw our eyes back to you god we um as a family as a church body just commit ourselves to you lord and we we just say we just affirm together lord that you're enough that you are stronger than the things that we may come up against even this week even in this moment lord and god i just pray that your holy spirit would enable us to just um, to consider the birds and to consider the lilies um, and to really find rest in you, Lord. Um, we love you. Um, we ask these things in your precious and your holy and your loving name. Amen. Y'all have a seat just for a moment. I want to uh, maybe just consider this, encourage you with this thought. Uh, you know, I was kind of in my notes. I had this these three things. Considering... Uh, the lilies and looking at the birds and seeking first the kingdom as medicine. That's kind of what I had in my, my notes there. I may not have used that word in the sermon, but I really don't want you to think of it as medicine because that God isn't our life coach. Okay, He's not here to just make life better for you. Okay, you're not the center of this whole thing. Okay, I think maybe kind of reorienting that. I don't, I don't want to say that in a way that makes you feel silly or less valued. I, that's the point. You are valued. Um, but I, I want you to consider maybe doing these things because that's who you are. And that in, you find that lessons medicine, because medicine implies there's a point where you stop doing that. You know, when you feel better, you stop taking that medicine. Uh, think about it more like a diet. Well, this is what the people of God do. We consider lilies. We, we look at birds. We seek first his kingdom. And it's in that place we find this blessed wholeness, this shalom that ancient Israel talked about, that current Israel will talk about as well. Shalom, peace, wholeness. And I would maybe think about it that way and say, okay, if I'm, if I'm feeling anxious, maybe I don't want to go just look at some birds right now and then feel better and then forget about it and move on. But maybe try and figure out how you can incorporate some of 
active obedience in response to what the Lord has put in front of you and make that a part of your life. Um, you know, there's some things that I think you could do here that you can pursue Christ in doing some of these things. If, you, if Christ is separate from it, it's going to fail. But if you're pursuing Christ in considering lilies and looking at birds and in seeking first the kingdom, then you're going to find some real wholeness and blessing and peace there. That, that should be good news to us. Nobody's ever fixed. Y'all know that, right? You don't ever get fixed. You know, if anybody got the impression this, this morning that here's some medicine to get us fixed, nobody's ever fixed. We're gardens that are tended to. That's what we are. We're sheep that need to be tended to. So that kind of gives you a different perspective. You play the long game. <laughs> play the long game. Pursue Christ in the long game as disciples and followers of Christ, as an identity of who you are. That might change the, the tone and tenor this morning. Hopefully uh, that came out, but if not, I want to make sure that I reinforce that. Uh, kids in here, man, y'all did a good job, little, especially the little bitty ones. Parents that had to, to manage this for the last little while, you did a really good job. I want you to know, I'm, man, we're cheering for you. Uh, we are working at getting our children's ministry up and running. We want to do that well. We want to do that intentionally, deliberately, uh, carefully, um, in, in a way that will bless everyone. Uh, so just know that is a serious priority for us right now. And if you've got little bitties in here with you, and you're like, man, or if you were watching online this morning, you're like, man, I would love to be there, but I have these little bitties that I just cannot imagine containing for a little while. Man, we totally get it. Ours are grown, but we, I mean, that I remember watching Christy, you know, wrangle kids. I mean, I watched her. She's kind of on her own, because I was up here, you know, at least for a good part of that with Daniel. Uh, so Daniel was a little bitty when, when I was doing this. So uh, we can remember that. You know, there are other folks that have children that uh, they can understand what's going on here. You're not forgotten. Please don't forget. Please don't feel like you're forgotten. You are a super high priority. But the little bitties, man, y'all did a great job. Uh, Noah, you did a good job with the slides. You really did, man. That was a little complicated this morning, and I appreciate that. I hope it uh, was helpful you know, for y'all to kind of see some stuff, but Noah was the man behind the button back there, and he got it all done. With short notice, too. He did it on a, on a short cue this morning. I appreciate that. Um, Michael and Kate, y'all come up. Michael and Kate are not a pair. They're not a couple. <laughs> Michael's actually with Grace right there. They're a couple. And Kate, uh, Kate these are two young adults that uh, I want I want to introduce to you. I want to just kind of let you know this. These two have walked through the process of membership. They went through a class that's called Starting Points. Uh, Starting Points typically takes place over the course of four weeks. And in this case, just as kind of a product of the season and having a kind of a queue of folks that were like, man, we're ready to join. Like, we know a lot about the church already. We had a sort of an abbreviated version of that. We still went through the process that we typically go through with people wanting to member. And these two have gone through that process and have said, man, we want a member here at Crosspoint Fellowship. They've done their blood work and their physical fitness test. And um, they've passed. So it's, I mean, really awesome. So congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, y'all, if you missed that, he, he did a little boat up there. Um, no, so I want, to just, I want you to see Michael Stiles and Kate Kincaid, and I want you to make a point to get to know them. I know it's strange right now. Meeting will be kind of weird, but you can still meet one another, and you can still talk to one another, and you can still get together for some food or fellowship or a cup of coffee or something. I'd like you to get to know this couple, or th these two people, not a couple. These two people. It's hard. It's weird. These two people, these two individuals. To get you to know these two individual people. And um, 
they're, they're really both delightful in different ways. And, um, right? You are. Yeah, you really are. Yeah, yeah. So I want to get to, this is the most awkward presentation of a new member that's maybe ever happened in 17 years. So we're, we're going to kind of land the plane there. And I'll let y'all have a seat now. So this awkwardness will end. Um, Ellie, come on up. And our elders. Where's Ellie? Oh, Ellie's still over there. Uh, Greg and, and Morris, y'all come up. Ellie Field is going to be leaving us. Oh, Drew, come on up. Ellie's, I know, right? Boo. Boo. This is not good news. But Ellie's leaving us for a good reason. She's not just like, I'm out of here. I'm tired of this place. She's actually going to Tennessee, and she's going to be part of a ministry there. Uh, it's called Community Servants. Uh, it's going to be, and I'll, I'll read to you sort of a little, uh, sort of the details. It started as an outreach mission of Smyrna Baptist Assembly. Uh, it's an on-campus interns running a school program assisting in teaching adult education classes. Uh, they keep the property clean and running, and they help lead teams and do lots of other things. Um, uh, the on-campus interns, which is what Ellie would be doing, uh, also get a, part to be, uh, get a chance to be part of the missionary training program, and they're going to be expected to be missional, which if you, if you know Ellie at all, you already know that that's who she is. She's very much about knowing people and um, befriending people in the name of Christ uh, with a goal and hope that this person will come to know the Lord. She's been that way uh, since she's moved into an apartment complex over here. Uh, they've been very missional in getting to know their neighbors, and this is just going to be something that's just going to continue. It's kind of cool when you see somebody, see somebody going into a ministry of something that they're already doing, and that's true of Ellie. So, um, she's going to be connecting to families, having a goal of having meaningful presence in their lives with the ultimate goal of making disciples of Christ. Uh, she's going to be part of uh, her uncle's church, uh, Tracy's brother, is the pastor of this church, uh, LifePoint in Riverdale. His name is Kyle. So we're going to pray for Ellie. We're sending her off today. And um, so let's go ahead and stand, and we're going to pray together. And uh, while we're standing, after we close in prayer, I'll lead our benediction and we'll depart. But for now, let's, let's, let's send off and pray for Ellie. Lord, we want to just ask you to uh, bless Ellie in this next chapter, Lord. Uh, guide her, govern her, sustain her with worship. Lord, we pray that she'll walk by faith and not by sight. I pray that her enjoyment of Christ will be something that will spill over into her, her neighbors and her friends as this intern in this intern role. We pray that she'll get to know uh, folks within this community that she's engaging. Lord, we, we pray that folks will come to know the Lord uh, through this ministry that Ellie will be about. We are entrusting her to you, asking the Lord to protect her and to use her and bring her, sublimate her into your presence through this entire journey. We pray also for her family and for this church family in doing without this young lady, at least physically, that she'll be a tremendous blessing to Kyle's church and Kyle's family there in uh, Tennessee. We're entrusting her to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Y'all stay standing for a minute and let me find my Bible. Yeah. I don't know this benediction by heart. You know, someone, uh, y'all can, y'all can, you can go sit, I guess. Y'all go over everybody sit. Thank you. Uh, this is the awkward ending of the morning. Can't get any more awkward. Um, one of our uh, folks that were working through the starting points class asked why we hold our hands out on a benediction. It was a good question. Um, and I think, you know, Greg did it for the first time. 
Greg Fields was preaching and he did it. And I was like, I like that. So I just kept doing it. So it's not like any sort of special holy um, thing happens, like electrifying moment or anything. But I think it is a posture of receiving a blessing from the Lord. So, um, you know, the thought of our physical posture being connected to our heart makes a lot of sense. It, you separate physical from spiritual, you're missing out on something. That's why you can actually step into woods and look at real birds and be blessed in a real spiritual way because it's all connected. So I'm not, I don't want you to feel funny if you don't do this, but I want to encourage you to understand why at least some of us are, are holding our hand because we want to we receive a big old fat blessing from our Lord. He's good like that. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Y'all have a wonderful week. God bless y'all.